0: You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. what up, mi gente? It's your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. And today, folks, woo, I got an amazing, amazing creator here. I mean, this, this person is a designer, he's a storyboard, and comic book artist. He is also a publisher of an amazing independent press label called Asylum Press. Let me introduce the man himself, the legend in the making, Mr. Frankfort. Hey, where's hey. my?
1: Thanks for having Welcome me. Welcome aboard, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate being here. I love uh, Comic Crusader, so it's good to finally be uh, part of the family, you know?
0: Yeah, you've been a part of the family once you started making <laughs> books and even before that, because you've been kicking ass in all domains. We're going to get into that journey right now, folks. You, know, you won't believe the journey Frank's been on. It's awesome, man. The great stuff he's doing now. So, Frank, a bit about yourself, then. Let's go back way back. Tell us where you're from, OG. And uh, what was your uh, first love of fandom?
1: Yeah, so from, originally grew up in Connecticut, uh, upstate New York, Westchester County. Um, went to college in Connecticut. Always loved comics, started reading, you know, when I was young. Started reading in the 80s, X-Men, Daredevil, you know, Micronauts, Fantastic Four, John Byrne. I was into, uh, you know, I was into Marvel mostly, but I read DC, also loved horror. So I was always reading, you know, eerie creepy those magazines were on the stands Mm -hmm. when i was younger read all that stuff um and then you know started finding the ec reprints so i was really into ec always read the dc horror house of mystery you know witching hour um you know dark uh, dark shadows i think it was called house of shadows Um, Mm -hmm. Secrets of the Haunted House always loved, uh, Dark Mansions that's what it was, always Mm -hmm. loved all that stuff Um, you know, read comics to the 90s got into heavy metal, got into the you know, Corbin and all those uh, other you know, foreign guys like Mobius, Libertor and uh, you know, got into manga and anime, I mean, Mm -hmm. fandom I like all that stuff, horror movies and you know, started publishing comics in the early 90s um, when I was like 19. So I've been doing it for quite some time on and off, you know, not, not always steady. And sometimes with indie publishers like Boneyard press and cry for dawn and CFD, but started asylum in about 1999 and I always had distribution through diamond and other distributors. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a small company. We publish indie horror, a lot of anthologies. We worked with Robert Ryan from girls and corpses, So we do, you know, what I feel is quality indie horror and, um, you know, we're just trying to step it up now using Kickstarters and other crowdfunding platforms, um, which has been a big help to us, uh, excuse me, being a small company, we don't always get the the pre-orders that it needs to be, you know, a sustainable business, you know, so, Mm -hmm. That's why we're kind of just, you know, after COVID, just trying to get the word out, doing shows, doing podcasts, trying to really get people into the books, having a YouTube channel, being on social. I mean, it's still difficult. There's just a lot of competition out there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, but, you know, social you can't get through if you're not paying for ads. So we're trying marketing, we're trying Google, we're trying like, you know, postcard mailings, we're trying everything. Because you know there's a lot of distractions out there, but I think once we grab the reader that likes indie horror and likes stuff like Steve Mannion or anthologies or vampire books, um, I think we got them. So once we can grab them and pull them in, I think we have good fans because I feel like we have really good books. Um, I, I you know, I think- ask,
0: so, we see so you talking all, all this awesomeness, but what inspired you to even get started on on this journey of of, of doing publishing and and putting work out there. What was the day that sparked that, that got you to that moment? I said, I'm doing this. Boom.
1: Well, I mean, I think like I was in college still. I was like 19, and I was going for graphic design, but I was sending out comic book samples to all these companies. And granted, I wasn't very good, but I kept getting rejection letters. Rejection, rejection, Marvel, DC. I think Dark Horse was there. Just everyone was rejecting me. And I'm like, I must be really bad, but you know, (laughs) what the, what the hell is going on here? So, I mean, and the impetus was I went to a horror convention up in upstate New York and I met uh, Joe monks and Joe Lindsner who had just put out cry for dawn. Right. So they were at the table and I'm like, Whoa, what's this book? Cry for dawn. It's like, indie it's horror it's like nothing you ever saw before they were they were doing their own thing and you open up the book you're like wow this is great this reminds me of like heavy metal or something you know that you didn't normally see i'm like well you know who are you guys publishing through and they're like well we're the publisher i'm like you're the publisher
0: i'm like
1: yeah i'm like you can do that they they go yeah i go well how do you do that they go well you just you know write up a solicitation. You send it to diamond. I'm like, diamond. What's that? They're like a distributor. I'm like a distributor. I'm like, what, what does that mean? I didn't even know how the business worked. They're like, you send it to diamond. They give you, they send it to the comic stores. They give you orders. You go to print and then you get paid. I'm like, Holy fuck. I'm like, yeah, right. Distribution. Just like it works like anything else. Like when you're selling meat or cheese or, you know, I knew that there was when I worked in restaurants, there are distributors for food and alcohol. I'm like, yeah, they're distributors for comics. That makes sense. So I went home. I'm like, I'm, why do I need to get rejected when I could just self publish and put it out there? I had some friends that had a little money back then. It didn't cost that much to print books. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could get books printed for like, if you printed 5,000 of them, they were like 25 cents each. They were like nothing in the early nineties. So you could print 5,000 for like, I don't know, a thousand bucks. Like it was like nothing. So we got some covers up. We wrote to diamond capital city. There were like 15 distributors. We sent out solicitations to all of them, called them up. They were all like, yeah, we'll carry your book. Okay. Uh, oh, went in the magazines, a couple of months later, we got orders for shoot. I don't know how much it was probably like five, six or 7,000. And we were like, wow, this is cool. We we, we were making a little money. Nobody knew who we were. We didn't put any previews of the interiors. It was just the cover and a little blurb of from beyond number one. It was like a horror anthology inspired by Lovecraft. And uh, we got orders. So we did like four issues of that, but orders weren't super huge. Um, So we kind of, took a break from it, and then I kind of started working with Cry for Dawn and Boneyard Press and trying to work with those indie guys in the 90s. During that black and white boom, I did Vampire Verses, Insidious Tales, a bunch of other indie black and white horror stuff before going to work in animation and then starting Asylum Press where I, you know, publish a couple books a year just to keep my stuff out there. You know, but did
0: you go into animation purposely? Was was that a mission? Are you stepping into animation, or something you just walked into?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I kind of did it because I mean I really couldn't make money doing independent publishing in the late '90s after the crash of the black and white boom. You had to make you had to be publishing a lot of books to make a living at it, and numbers for me you do three or 4,000 of indie black and white book. It wasn't really enough to make a living. So there was an animation studio in Connecticut that um, was hiring. So I'm like, let me just get a day job for a while. I could get benefits. I could pay my bills. I could, you know, you know, pay rent. Um, So I did that. And that lasted like three years. And on the side, I was still doing comics. I was kind of working two jobs working in animation during the day, doing anything from storyboarding, character design, background design, just like interface design. Um, but I learned the basics of animation production there and um, still did comics. And then when that place kind of, they didn't go under, but they got rid of the 2D crew and I was part of the 2D crew and they more went to CG stuff. Cause they were like, uh, I guess what you would call edutainment CD-ROM stuff. And so I got laid off. That's when I moved to Queens. Took some classes at SVA and Art Students League, tried to get my skills up. Um, then 9 11 happened, and New York was crazy at the time. Oh, so yeah. I said, Well, if I want to work in animation, LA is the only other place that has the studios. I had a couple of people that moved out. They said it was cool. I just packed up my shit, went to LA, <laughs> and laugh. started getting worked. Yep. And <laughs> started getting work in animation doing background design um at some people it's a classes at different places from you know disney artists dreamworks artists kind of got my skill level up to be storyboard a storyboard i did some flash animation character design background design i kind of did a little bit of everything and um you know still doing comics on the side i still published all through the 2000s you know one or two books a year and um you know, I, I got cool jobs. I worked for places that, you know, Renegade, they did stuff for Cartoon Network. I storyboarded Ooh. for low budget horror movies. I worked at DreamWorks. I worked, you know, at Bento Box, who eventually did Bob's Burgers. That's how I worked on that show. Hey. Worked at Sony on the Emoji Movie. I worked on Insidious, The Last Key. Ooh. So I bounced around between animation and live action film doing oh. storyboards oh, while doing
0: cool. comics. Oh, it must have been a dream job being a fan of horror to get, you know, in on an insidious movie. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was very cool because I really always wanted to work in, in horror movies when I first came out there, but it was a really tough nut to crack to get into live action. And it was easier to, to work for the animation studios because you could just walk in, drop off a portfolio, you know, have them call you in live action, when you get out here, you realize it's very scattered. And even though there's studios, it's hard to get into. You got to try to network within this um, animation production or this live action production network of people that are like producers, directors, UPMs, art department coordinators, you know, production managers. And it's all this this group that you kind of meet either being on set or you get introduced to, and then they have your name and then they call you. So it's a little harder to get in with that crew. And I did. And from time to time I get calls. So eventually it led to Insidious. I worked on Lovecraft Country.
0: Oh, nice. I worked
1: on um, The Nun 2 recently, Conjuring 3, um, a bunch of other Blumhouse movies. So, cool. yeah, it was cool. Definitely.
0: That is so fire, yo. All right, so th- then here we go. You, you, you do your publishing press. Let's bring this, this beautiful website up so we can start seeing yeah. some goodies. <laughs> so you're doing your publishing press, right? So what what's your thoughts? How did, did, did you do it all double at the beginning or did you have a, a, an artistic team already built in or was this just a solo project? I
1: pretty much did most of it myself. Like the first books we did were uh, Vampire Verses and... Um, Billy Boy and Hex of the Wicked Witch. So these were like early titles that we did, um, like Hex of the Wicked Witch. That was one of the first titles we did. It was like a black and white horror. Then we did uh, Vampire Versus, which is first at CFD. That's the first printing. Mm -hmm. Then we did it through Asylum Press. Then we did a book called uh, Billy Boy. Uh, that's not on here. Insidious Tales was another one. Um, so it was mainly horror, but I did all of it. I mean, I did the typesetting. I did the pre-press. I sent it to the printer. I, you know, made sure the books were in stores. I did the invoicing. Um, it wasn't that much. They wouldn't do that many titles. But eventually I would maybe hire out freelance some designers and, okay. you know, I would publish other people's stuff here and there, or I'd get people to work for the anthologies. I worked with Robert Ryan from girls and corpses and then, uh, found Steve Mannion's book and people would send me stuff through the mail. Hey, you want to publish my book? I took on a few books, but you know, it was never that much where they were all that profitable. It was kind of like Mm -hmm. we'd get the books out there. We do the numbers we needed to do to make a little bit of profit and, you know, we, we'd have the titles out on the stands, which is really what I wanted, you know. And then we'd do conventions, New York, Boston, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and just kind of sell at local stores. We'd do little signing tours. So, I mean, it was cool. It was fun. Um, what was your
0: first convention experience like behind the table?
1: The first one, shoot, I, it was like a local one, I think, in my hometown, below this church where we were just, fun. <laughs> I think it was in the basement of a church and it was just, uh, you know, low budget, a bunch of tables and we sat there and we sold stuff. Then we'd step it up and do like these smaller Connecticut conventions. And then we all do the Mike Car- Carbonaro shows in New York because those happen uh, like, kind of monthly. So yeah, I got yeah. in with him and did those. And then he would do like a bigger national show then we would do the Great Eastern Conventions, which were at Javits. There were just all sorts of cons at, in Boston, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Jersey. We'd do all that stuff. I mean, they were fun. And Back in the 90s, like, you would do a convention, a small one, and it was all comics. It was comic fans, it was comic yes. creators, and it was comic dealers, that's there was it. no Hollywood, there were no, I mean, there were little toy sellers and, and stuff, but it wasn't yeah, like.
0: related to, to the comics at the very least. Not right, right. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it was cool. And you'd sell, you, people were really into indie books. Like you'd have people that wanted to buy Faust and Cry for Dawn and, and indie stuff. Like they collected Marvel, but there was a fervor for the indie stuff. So was it was sure. a cool time to be publishing. I would oh, hell.
0: yeah. Nineties had a lot of fun, fun goodies <laughs> from a lot oh, of it was fun. publicists at the time. It was a
1: struggle. Like, don't get me wrong. It was a struggle. But, like, it was fun. Like, we never did the um, numbers that, um, you know, Image did. And there was always, like, this kind of jealousy, like, Image you know they're doing like <laughs> millions of numbers, and then they weren't putting the books out in time. So it's like they're making all this money, but they're slacking off on printing. Right?
0: <laughs> so it was like,
1: it was like, oh man, like you guys could have the golden goose, but you're not putting the books out. Other than, of course, McFarlane and Eric Larson, like always put their books out. Like yeah. you can see, there's on like number three hundred, so they never defaulted. But you know, the Wild Storm and you know, Lifebelt Studio—they started like missing deadlines and stuff, and 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 to be indie, we were like, you you guys, you know, you could be making a shitload. Where we were struggling to get books, just to get like numbers of three thousand, and those guys were doing like wow. five hundred thousand to a million on some of yeah, those. Easy, books. yeah, crazy. Easy. It's crazy. Right, back
0: then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good old days. I mean, for 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 publishers that that were that that were in on it. And, and for fans just digesting all this stuff a lot of them that were saying back in the day oh they bought so many copies they made fun of actually they might make out okay after all for so the current industry the way it's going you know for for back issues insane
1: well yeah for i mean for lower print runs if it's a rare book that is going to make it more valuable like spawn number one death of superman those books aren't they don't go for that much right because there were so no, many but- of them but You know, Walking Dead, number one, or Faust, number one, or Cry for Dawn, number one.
0: Um, Crow, number one.
1: Crow, number one. You know, they're valuable, if you can find them, you know.
0: Oh, heck, I wish I could get my hands on my crow, number one, in the wild. I
1: mean, all our books, like Hex of the Wicked Witch, Vampire Versus maybe did a 10,000 print run at one time, but for the most part, three to 5,000 of most of our books, you know, so that's not really that many.
0: Gotcha. So so t- tell me what you got here. What's up on the offerings for Asylum now? Because I know yeah, we got I mean, Steve Mannion the other, the other right, day, so, and that was dope.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's great, right? He's a great uh, creator. He's always got stories. He's, like, out there, and he's just into his books, right? So, oh, yeah. yeah, for one thing, um, <clears throat> Fearless Dawn is Steve Mannion's book. There's a number of titles that we have out. This is the new one. We're doing a set of enamel pins. And Fearless Dawn, The Bomb, which was originally published as The Bomb as a trade paperback, uh, but it was never published. That's her origin story, and it was never published in comic book form. So Fearless Dawn, The Bomb is a four-issue miniseries telling her origin, and we wanted to do it as a comic to just get it into stores to get more people into her and the character. So... That's the new one coming out. It's like four covers in a signed edition. Um, as you can see, um, I mean, yeah. the work is just great, right? Isn't it? Oh, yeah, I'd love I it I mean, so it's much. Steve Mannion just doing his thing, classic pen and ink style. I mean, no one does this anymore, and it's crazy, and it's goofy. Mm-hmm. It's wacky. Mm-hmm. And it's well drawn, and it's just fun. It's like a fun book because Steve Manning. I mean, he has so much fun doing it. It's just over the top, fun, you know, superhero action. I yes, love it, it.
0: I love over the top fun, and it is in the art style. Man, it reckons back in the day, you're right. No one, no, no youngins. are doing in that style. Not
1: doing this stuff. So this is another book we just put out, Fearless Dawn Shorts. And here's sure, some samples was. from that. This is a one shot. This is more recent stuff. And you know, it's just Steve Yo, writing, man. drawing. I mean, look, he he writes and draws everything. This is a fully drawn page, you no know, Photoshop. Yeah, Pencil that
0: coloring was oh. so nice. The shading
1: on it. This is colored in Photoshop, but he likes working oh. in different styles. Yeah. That's fully painted, drawn. Wow. That's Photoshop, but look at that stuff. Yeah, man. Did he show you any of this stuff?
0: You saw some of the stuff, absolutely. Some of the stuff. This, we were focusing on Fearless Dawn, man, because, you know. This is a new one. The this, one <laughs>
1: this one's coming out. This one's coming out in a few weeks. I think it might come out this Wednesday. Fearless Dawn, swimsuit edition. We have some sketchbooks. This is Chibi Finale. This is an older one of the black and whites that we did. <laughs> I mean, look at this. Yeah,
0: stuff. It was the, it's, it's that, that's tattoo art to the core, right there. So many of these eyes I could see.
1: It's a little underground. It's a little Wally Wood. It's a little oh, Mad dog. Magazine. Look at that dog. <laughs> Fire, but it's like, I mean, it's crazy. It's like cartoony, but there's these, these giant monsters, and then there's these girls running around. like. And, it just reminds
0: me. You know it reminds me of, also? Remember the Ren and Snippy when they do the close ups?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's lovely. <laughs> and
0: then.
1: And then this one was kind of this book was kind of inspired by a Mobius style, so we kind of like did some stuff in a Mobius wow. style. I mean, this is really great too.
0: Heck yeah. So you know, there you go, folks. You know, it doesn't have to be goofed all the time. You get serious, you get down. What?
1: That man's a so boss. That's, huh? that's one of the books. Vampire Macabre is another one of our titles. This is one of my titles, and it is. These pages have been colored. i got to update them, but it's an anthology of vampire tales, three stories. One is Nosferazix, one is Zephira, and the other is um, Blood blood Something. But this story takes place in a Mad Max world, but it's about vampires and monsters. This story here is a short story about vampires who take over a castle and suck people in to – give them a tour, a wine tasting tour, but then eat them. And then <laughs> this is not Sporazics. This is kind of like a um, S&M vampire dominatrix that her story is uh, ongoing, but also appears in the, the other issues of Vampire Macabre. I mean, we have Zombie Terrors, which is a zombie anthology book. Uh warlash, which is like a um and here's another Mannion story from war- warlash is kind of like sci fi he's a armored warrior of justice in a post apocalyptic world, and this is a story that Steve Mannion did for us years back.
0: It's panels I love the usage the the page layout uh
1: this is dwayne Harris doing a warlash story
0: folks look at these pages beautiful art my gosh they look fantastic
1: cool stuff right
0: right oh my gosh everything the coloring uh, the lettering
1: (laughs) the lettering's good too right this is another and sometimes working with a lot of these foreign guys that like this guy's from uh, i think poland or croatia um they just draw in a really different style like a heavy metal 2000 ad and i just kind of give them a plot and let them go with it and um mm-hmm. these guys came up with um let's see it's uh oh yeah jovan and riss Sekuloski. they just kind of came up with this story and i was like dude this is great let's just go with it i gave him the villain in the storyline, and they just came up with it. So that's World Life's BioBird, and that actually has two stories in it. Um, Undead Evil is another story that is coming up. It kind of is HP Lovecraft meets Voodoo. And um, we're just trying to finish it to uh, bring it to Kickstarter. But this guy, Ninad Gusanja, he's a – Talented artists from Croatia. I mean, just look at that stuff.
0: Yo, Bizarre is, and
1: twisted, right?
0: Fire, fire. How the hell do you find this amazing talent? They they just submit this stuff to you?
1: Wow. Um, I find it like all over the place. Like, and this is some of my stuff from the '90s. Actually, I actually do draw when I can.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh, that's fire. Look
1: at that was a post. It's some old 90s stuff. But, um, well, I worked as an editor at heavy metal magazine for a few years and you just get, I was just on the hunt, like websites, TV and art comic book conventions, just searching Instagram. You just find these creators. Sometimes they submit to you and you, um, you just pick them up. I mean, all sorts of ways that I have this list of weird eclectic creators. You know, just over the years, I mean, I've been doing it for like what thirty years. So you just find people, you know.
0: A veteran. <laughs> a exactly.
1: veteran. Exactly. Um, so that's uh, Asylum Press. This is a new thing I'm doing. This is called Franken Horrors. Right. Frank- this oh. is my this is my brand of vintage inspired, like, film-inspired creatures and monsters from either film or comic books. So I've launched a series of enamel pins, stickers, and prints based on classic horrors, horror creatures. Like, these are some of the enamel pins. Um, So each character has a pin, a print, and a sticker. But it's just, it's just my, like, I love horror. I love classic movies. I love classic comic books. So I was just trying to do, like, a brand of merchandise based on my own designs inspired by vintage horror stuff. But I wanted to make it look very comic booky. So this is the Frank and Horrors collection. So this just came out
0: and that's also available on Asylum or can we get it's that? Uh,
1: available on Asylum Press's website Ooh. and uh storefront.
0: Yep. right there folks, Asylumpress.com. These pens where did you come with this idea? These are these are very nice pens though. I like the art on them. Yeah. And are you gonna do this like by series?
1: Yeah, and they're kind this, of like, like, series like,
0: one. <laughs>
1: there's gonna be a terror collection, a vampire collection, there's gonna be a Lovecraft collection, um horror collection like they're going to be like six of each so different collections will be will come out but this is the first terror and vampire nice yeah this is a terror collection so it's uh vampirus, werewolf succubus bride of frankenstein swamp creature and flaming (laughs) skull
0: Oh like, it, it, like yeah flame and skull actually burns some some weed or some shit. Yeah, right? it
1: like. <laughs> it's burning some dope. Um so those are those are the Franken Horrors collection. I also have this other thing that I'm doing called Cartoon Creepies, which is more based on my um vintage cartoony stuff. So we did a line of enamel pins that are oh, cool. based on classic Rubber hose cartoons like Cuphead, Betty Boop, Mm -hmm. Warner Brothers, but making them kind of like creepy and violent. So they all have weapons. And, you know, like like these are some of my like paintings that I've done over the years. So it's based on characters from the paintings. But, you know. It's like that old rubber hose style cartoony stuff. They all have axes and heads and, you know, they're they're chopping people up and. They're we they're to cute. A
0: horror movie like this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're cute, but they're they're creepy. You know, like that's my triclops with a knife. Oh shit! This is that's Triclops five. head. So that's like okay. kind of another crazy, another series of merchandise. We're trying to come up with merchandise too that can either go with the comics or go with you know animated cartoons and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a cool looking one for real though. <laughs> I like that one. Right, and that's my fave. That you pointed out. It, yeah. It's so unique. Tri-class head. Yeah. That and, and and the and the weed head skull over there.
1: Oh and the that, weed Yeah, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of fun. So we're gonna make cartoons with these, and that brings up this other site that I have Park called Park Goon Park. Cartoons, which is Ooh. um my site for doing um I guess uh animation. So yeah. If you look up Goon Cartoons on uh, YouTube, you can see where I do all sorts of cartoons, animation, and we put trailers up. Like, this is a trailer for um, Fearless Dawn the Bomb, but I also do original animated cartoons as well.
0: That's all we need to bring back to the cinema. Some OG cartoons played on the big screen before a movie.
1: Like we do these goofy things like anime, and Netflix, and, and it's like enamel pins. Are you into enamel pins? Like oh my this, God. You ever know that annoying guy that's really into anime? Oh We're here
0: to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. We're here to talk about <laughs> you. i getting That's you. definitely <laughs> me right there in the back.
1: <sighs> right? So Goon Cartoons is just like kind of like my little animation cartoon site on um, YouTube. But um, also if as fans of Asylum Press. Asylum Press also has a YouTube page where we put up comic book trailers, behind the scenes stuff. So we're trying to get more subscribers. So if you guys want to subscribe, you know, once we're up to a thousand, we can monetize. So, you know, we're trying to get um more people. So just look up Asylum make Press. Make it
0: happen. Yeah. I'm going really if I'm not I we're
1: be we need to get to a thousand. That shouldn't be that hard.
0: Yeah, man, we're there, we're there, we're there, baby. Let's make it, folks. Show the love. Gotta follow us everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. On YouTube, on Twitter, on every, uh, everywhere, Facebook, everywhere. I'm telling you, he'd you pumping into his game right here because this is great stuff. So there you go, the previous catalog. This, folks, get your orders in.
1: Get your orders in. This is um fearless on the bomb. I'm pretty sure you can still order it. It's available through Diamond and Lunar. And then this one just came out. This is Fearless Dawn Cold. So this is the new one. You can order this. This is a one-shot. This is Steve Mannion's new book, Fearless Dawn Cold. Um, It's going to be another crazy Fearless Dawn adventure in the Arctic with her friends and her villains. It's just, um, what can I say? If you like Steve Mannion, I think you should support everything he does.
0: Yep, and this is the shops on April twenty sixth. It says to so get your pre orders up like ASAP, folks, for real. ASAP. So right now, it, what's that code? It's a Feb two three one eight five.
1: Um. Yeah, February two three one one eight five. I mean, you could just go to previews world or your comic shop and just ask for fearless on code. They'll have it in their system. And um, the more people that pre order it. It's better for us because then comic shops start ordering more for the racks if they see there's a lot of hype for it.
0: Oh, please do. Support Indy, folks. Very important. It's are the future, bringing us also a different taste of comics. That's right. right. So instead of complaining about the other other ones, you know who I'm talking about, see, support Indy. Hey, like Frank, and you'd be happy with a smile if you ain't going to complain about shit. All right? Love you, Trust me. You.
1: You bring home an Asylum Press book, a Fearless Dawn book, Vampire Macabre, you're going to go home happy. You're going to like the story. You're going to like the art. It's a low print run, so you know it's going to go up in value. We're not printing uh, 200,000 books. It's guaranteed to have some increase in value.
0: Have you held on to any of your OG releases? Do you, do you have, like, your own personal I stats guess, of I your stuff? Or have your all
1: of them. I have all of them in boxes somewhere in the garage or under the house or something. I mean, I try to keep, you know, a box or a half a box because you never know. I'm like, oh, when I'm, you know, 80, are these going to be worth $1,000? You hope. There's <laughs> some of them are going up in value, but, yeah. I mean, not not as much as I thought, but, you know, there's some value there.
0: So again, they want you to throw in those variants with some big names, and that, that's why fishes those, those, those speculators and everybody else to make noise. Apparently,
1: oh totally.
0: But, you know, well, we don't want you to spend all that money. Cause, you know, just support it as this, folks, because this is dope anyway. And you get variants by by, by the teams themselves, right there. Fire shit, yo. Know? Yeah, but I definitely by, dig
1: it. Yeah, the variants. You know, the variants help us. You know, raise a little more money, and you know, people like collecting variants. So there's always. You know, that whole, you know, a variant might have a lower print run than another. I mean, I mean, collectors like the variant covers and it gives us a chance for Steve to shine or have different artists do different books. I mean, look, variant covers started in the 90s. Um I don't think it's going away anytime soon.
0: Oh no, it's not. One of my friends had a, a, a rant blind at him. Uh, he's like, "Why so many covers? He, they they release like 25 covers of one thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, please stop. My 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 wallet can't handle it." <laughs> yeah, 20,
1: 25 is a lot. I mean, we've done four, and we do a signed issue. I think it's cool to do a main cover, a B cover, a sketch cover, and then a virgin. But yeah, you know, yeah. then people like metals and like variants and like chromiums, and you know, That's what are you going to do? It? If the market, <laughs> if people want those, you know, in the market. there, I just, I just want people to buy the book, at least buy yeah, one yeah. reader copy, and tell me you're reading it and enjoying the story, and not just buying it for the cover. <laughs> That's all I ask, you know.
0: Oh, uh, uh, absolutely. So are you going to be at any cons? You know, because you know, cons yeah. are off. So what's what's popping? Where are you going to be at?
1: Anyone out in California or SoCal, I'll be at Pasadena Comic-Con on January 29th, 2023. I'll be hanging out at WonderCon. I'm not sure if I'll have a table yet, but I'll also be at Monsterpalooza, which is coming up. I think it's April, which is a horror convention. Monsterpalooza? Is, Monster is a really good, good horror convention out in Pasadena. It's one of the best out here. Um I think I might be set up at alien con, which is all the guys from ancient aliens.
0: Oh, and, you're gonna be hanging out with them. <laughs> I,
1: think I might have a table there. I did it before. It's a pretty good convention.
0: Cool.
1: And, um, comic con San Diego. I'll be at too as well.
0: Oh, best. You're not coming to the East. You're going to stay on the West.
1: Yeah. I don't have any plans to come to the East coast right now. Um, uh, but, um, I'm look. I'm going to look into it. I'll see. Like, I like that heroes aren't hard to find that one in uh, North Carolina is supposed to be pretty good, but okay. it's just an expense. You know, it's a lot of money to l- lug all my books or mail my books across the country and, um, you know, do a show, but we're looking into it. We're going to see what we could do.
0: Well, you know, if I definitely visit the West coast, I, I will holla at you for sure. Definitely. Well, you know, or if not one day, maybe heck, come to do the own con and we get you over somehow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, I'll have to do one of those Mike Carbonaro shows in New York, and uh, it would be like old times.
0: Oh, yeah, man. I'll we'll get a slice of real pizza and uh and, right. and eat good. Yeah, hell yeah, bro. Get one of those dirty water dogs. You'd be happy, folks.
1: <laughs> uh, I'd be so happy to have a dirty water dog, some Brooklyn drippy pizza, and, uh, you know, some good, you know, local Brooklyn beer. It would be great.
0: Oh, oh man. Uh, yeah you're reminding me now stop <laughs> now but uh Frank, you're amazing bro, so I just want to say a as, as, as a fan to creator and a publisher and everything you've done your journey. thank you bro thank you for putting yourself out there, sharing yourself, sharing your ideas on the wonderful world that you created as a fan, I really appreciate that, so you know you def, you know thank you, keep doing it, brother, uh don't you ever stop you definitely will, uh, bring a smile on my face, bro
1: That's we will Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And hopefully uh the fans will check out the books and check out Comic Crusaders and we'll all be uh we'll all make this indie comics thing happen. You
0: know? yeah, because we're indie, I is, I, I run comics, you know what I mean? Independently Absolutely. owned. So that's totally. what it is. Independent support indie. That's as it yep. should. All right, yep. folks, you know what it is. <laughs> um all right, lastly, Frank, which, what type of advice would you give anyone trying to step into the game now? You know, with your thirty years of oh. Very of an experience here.
1: I mean, you know, it depends on what you want. Do you want to be someone that works for the big companies like Marvel, DC, and get a paycheck and you know work on these iconic characters? If that's the case, I mean, you just have to have you just have to step up your game. You have to have a really good, you know, style and know how to storytell and know how to you know transfer a script and make it cool and dynamic. You know, if you if you don't have that realistic or dynamic style and you just want to do your own thing, but you could still do stories. I mean, just putting a book out there, doing print on demand, Kickstarter and Indiegogo and Crowdfunder and Zoop. These are all places where you you don't need, <coughs> excuse me. You don't need to um, have a publisher or distribution. You could just start by doing it yourself and start doing conventions and comic store appearances. I would say, just get out there and start doing it. Start making your books. You know, you can make it happen. If you have the, uh, the inertia and the energy and the uh the wherewithal to do it. You know, you don't have to be all that great or perfected or your style doesn't have to be, you know, all that finalized. Just get out there and start writing and drawing and creating and and you'll find a fan base, you know?
0: There you go, folks. This is the vet telling you what it is. Cause he he been through all parts of the journey. So he know what he's telling you, all right? so you know, listen up you know, build up your craft and, you know, or if not, then just, you want to be that publisher, get your stuff out, get it done. Just work, work, work.
1: Get it done. Get,
0: get, done. It. get it done, baby. That's what it is. So again, thank you so much, Frank. You're the big homie. Again, I've been showing this off for thank once you. in a while. You got to go here, folks, on all over the socials. He locked it down and he made my life easy. Follow Frank everywhere at Frank Forte Art, all right? And it's also below where you could click it, make your life easy as well. Go follow Asylum Press everywhere at Asylum Press, all right, everywhere, all, right? all over the socials, and of course, go visit the AsylumPress.com website right now and start clicking away. Pull out that wallet. You saw all that crazy goodness you got, those pins, those books, them everything, and then go check out some cartoons as you wait for those packages to arrive, all right? You know what it is. Thank you again, Frank Q. Rock. To my people that's tuning in, God bless you know what it is. I appreciate you Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Wepa! Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCaves.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today.